Um, oh, we're live. You're listening to War for Idiots, a podcast by idiots for idiots. What up, what up, what up, what up? Yeah, dude. Hey, so what Wait, are you talking sorry. about tonight? Is that, is that how our intro goes? Where I just start yelling, what up, what up, what up? What up? No, that is how our intro goes. Because um, <laughs> as I discussed last week, we're replacing our voiceover artist. Because he's rubbish. Uh, no, I don't think that's a good idea. If there was a single talent in the production of this show, which one would you get rid of? Um, I, I don't want to... Po- I'm not going to... Look, I won't say anything. and I don't want to point anyone. You're pointing to yourself on your own screen. <laughs> that guy. Insane, Richie. We need you. You do all the work. All right, let's kick off. Let's yeah, I'm kick ready. off. Lady, la- and? I can still hear music. Yeah, the music's still going. It's it's dropping. Ladies and gentlemen, boys Boy. and girls, potters from all <laughs> around the world, <laughs> maybe listening. No, it's just I thought I knew it off my heart. I Welcome. Know. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of War for Idiots. As always, we're your hosts. I am Rich the Drongo. And I am Mick the... Oh, man, I'm doing our socials. I am Mick... Oh, this is appropriate. I'm Mick the Asshat. Asshat. Or for those in Australia or the UK, Asshat. And we are indeed the idiots that you have been looking for. Awesome head covering. And today we are talking about effects-based operations. EBO. Bullshit. EBO. Oh, sorry. But, EBO. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, I thought you said. Uh, I thought you said campaigning. You said what did you say? Effects-based operations. Campaigning. Sorry, ladies and gents, <laughs> welcome back to another week. Thank you for those uh, hordes of people that have logged on to YouTube. Hordes of people oh. that have logged that's logged on. I thought I was insulting them. That have logged on YouTube. And thank you for the people that are listening um, and continue supporting us. Uh, we are back for another episode. We're very excited to be talking about uh, effects space operations and no just, doubt just we're gonna get into we, debate tonight. We don't care if you listen, we only care if you download. Now, uh, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. Um, I have received an award since our last episode. I didn't really want to raise it. I didn't really want to raise it like this, but you can see I'm wearing it now. I was voted (laughs) best dad ever. Um, Worst thing is, it was my kids that voted that. (laughs) So I thought I'd I'd go loud and proud and wear that beanie tonight. And it's a bit cold, but that's okay. But hey, welcome back to another episode of War for Idiots. Um, And thank you. You know, we, we continue to grow each week. Uh, more and more people are listening. And the, you know, the best thing about it is we get a lot of good feedback. People are enjoying the stuff we're talking about. People are agreeing with a lot of things we're saying about, but most importantly, a lot of people are disagreeing with the things we're talking about, which is, which is really good. Um, because firstly, if you disagree with us, it means you listened. Uh, and secondly, we're not, here to, we're not here to tell you the world. We're here to, to start a conversation and start a debate. So if you are like-minded and like having those conversations, then chuck this to someone, have a debate, uh, join the conversation and and, uh, and let us what you let us know what you think on social media, and if um you know what in fact one of the proudest moments from season one, Mick, if I could uh, ponder the past for a little bit. Yeah, man, I'm not even listening. Was someone was someone reaching out to us and saying, "Hey, I used your episode during a PME session. I just played the episode. Yeah, yes, yeah, I just yes. played. Yeah, I just played the episode, to everyone, and then we just sat around debating who was wrong. Oh, they're cleaning wrong, weapons on exercise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. So. Um, use, use and abuse us. It's why we are here. All right. So how you going, Mick? How is your COVID going? Your beard and hair is looking luscious as always. Hey, it's, uh, it's pretty disgusting. Hey, I'm actually, um, I've just realized I'm in the wrong account on our YouTube. I better not comment from that account because you'll kill me. Um, man, I am, uh, having a heap of fun. So I just finished teaching a course for the Australian Army. Um, socials. Yeah. So we did, uh, we spent, uh, eight weeks, um, writing one sentence each. Um, so they must Good. really love me. Um, so it was the defining war, um, workshop. And I'll tell you what, man, like I remember us when we were young lieutenants and, uh, I've love, met the ones today that. and, uh, man, I can't believe they let us in. Hey, like, <laughs> I know. Like the standard has risen so much. So because much. The, the, the youth that are coming through nowadays are super impressive. Super impressive. I, I, I am blown away when I meet these young men and women that are going through what we went through. Um, and I think two things. One, 
uh, super impressive, you know, how the hell do they find these people? And two, super impressive, how the hell did I get through something yeah, like this? Like I, <laughs> how low did the bar have to be to let us through? <laughs> there was no bar. There was no bar. I think they, they were just building where the bar would hang eventually when we got through. So anyway. Mate, with me, me and four other mates or three other mates, we just, we just got lost on a fishing trip from Tassie. And they're like, hey, you're in the alley. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm here. No, that's good. All right. Look, we're going to talk about... How's your COVID going? Oh, me. No, good. Good. Really good. Um, yeah, everything is going fine. Everyone is healthy. Um, training has started back up again, which is very nice. It's a bit of, a bit of normality. And, and what um, else? And what else? Um, I'll go what happened on oh, Sunday, Richie? Well... I didn't want to bring it up, but I did win a prize for best dad no. ever. I thought I already <laughs> mentioned that. Richie launched a new podcast. Uh, Richie has got a new show out. So if you didn't see it last episode where we talk about it, it's called Behind the Black Belt. Jump on YouTube, jump on iTunes, jump on Spotify, check it out. Uh, Richie is interviewing people and my God, man, the stories. Amazing stories. People. As my wife says, so my, my wife won't listen to this because um, she, uh, she started listening to the nuclear uh, nuclear strategy episode and just said that's really depressing. I don't want to know about what, <laughs> I don't know about how many nuclear weapons are out there. Um, so, but but and she doesn't do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but she listened to Behind the Black Belt and they're just super fascinating people with super fascinating stories. So, um, yeah, no, and thank you to TDP Studios and this bearded man in front of me uh, for helping me launch that. It's a great. I idea. mean, we. Uh, it's just it's just uh it's just it, the life stories as we go through and I'm, I'm lucky ladies and gents i get to listen to a preview of the episodes um it's amazing like you don't know you don't have to be into martial arts to like no, these stories because it's all, actually not. they're not actually stories about martial arts they're stories about people's lives yeah, yeah. And, um not since i don't know maybe not since gone with the wind has there been a better production Agreed. Agreed. Look, I think, I think, you know, some people are talking about a prize, um, you know, maybe a noble prize. I don't know what, how you pronounce it, but you know, it's, it's, it's pretty. Hushed, hushed whispers every time I, <laughs> I walk down the street. Hey, does he know the guy that's going to get the prize? <laughs> <laughs> Classic. All right. Well, before we start talking about uh, EBO, effects-based operations, welcome back to the show. And let's talk about our favorite sponsor, Good to go gear, G2G. Are they your favorites? They they absolutely are. Good to go gear is an Australian veteran owned business that has been supporting its customers for over a decade. Whether you are into military, camping, adventure, workwear, or first aid equipment, they have got a wide range that is ready to be shipped directly to you. What you need to do is you need to go to their catalog and check it out at www.goodtogogear.com.au. AU and get the best gear that is truly hashtag G2G and hashtag. That's how hashtags work now. G2G backslash hashtag. Yeah, they offer a 30 day 100% satisfaction guarantee and they ship both to Australia and the US of A. So, what are you waiting for? Go and check out Good to Go Gear. That's G2G gear, gear that is truly good to go and just before we kicked off this episode tonight we got a little sneak peek video from our good friends at g2g with some goodies that they're going to be sending us i'm so excited i'm secretly hoping for some jocks um yes i need them um yeah you know what i call this clothes these clothes now these are also these are not just g2g these are wfh because like they're so bloody comfortable. I'm just like, eh, if I've got no meetings with outside clients today, yeah. I'm just going to chuck on my blue long sleeve wicking shirt. Or yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, got to be cautious wearing the brown shirt because people think that I'm still doing the old job. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But mate, last weekend spent the whole weekend in good to go year, whether it was the shorts, absolutely. the t-shirt uh, on air, or this shirt um, and the belt. Um, so for those people who don't know if they can use the belt and they may not be in the military. If you do, if you, if you do your garden and you do a bit of gardening, you can, you can attach your tools, your leatherman, like anything. Leatherman's like a multi-tool. It's perfect. So maybe there's a gardening line trademark. If there is, I want some cash. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, so what are we talking Um, about today? uh, So, we're actually talking about gardening. So thanks everyone for tuning in to <laughs> Gardening with the Idiots, Friday night live. All right. So tonight we are going to talk about effects-based operations. And this Me word effects, 
this word affects um, is has become extremely popular uh, in the modern day vernacular when it comes to talking about operations. And we wanted to start this as a series of military theories that we, we have done in the past. And we thought today, let's focus on EBO, effects-based operations. So what is effects-based operations? Well, we start off with Wikipedia and they will tell you that effects-based operations is a United States military concept that emerged during the Persian Gulf War for the planning and conduct of operations, combining military and non-military methods to achieve a particular effect. So, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that war was against Iraqis who call it the Arabian Gulf. Oh, there now, we could have an episode just on the on what they call it. There it is the Persian Gulf. Most of the world calls it the Persian Gulf, but that's interesting. Anyway, that's cool. Um, so that definition is very simple. And what it would suggest is that it's a in, lot the, idea. in the Gulf War, the United States finally figured out that you need to combine military and non-military methods to achieve an effect. Yeah. Now, here's the problem. I don't think that's the first time people have figured that out. I don't so, think that's the first time the US figured that out. <laughs> so, so immediately with our very first uh, definition, we've stumbled across one of the many stumbling blocks we're going to hit tonight. Yeah. And that isn't this just something that's happened before? Um, but what makes it new? Because I mean, clearly it is, it, it rose uh, to prominence around the world and especially, you know, used by the US military. So what, was have we done RMA yet in this, or we've talked about it? Have I we think we, we we've danced around it. And I think we'll dance around it again tonight. Yeah, RMA. But and you know, as as you are hinting now, many people consider EBO as a RMA. And for those that don't know, RMA a really massive asshat. Really massive asshat. <laughs> a revolution in military affairs, and that is like a game changer, like a mobilization or something, something that just changes the way warfare is conducted and war is applied. Right. So I stumbled across a really interesting uh, piece of work. It's called A Grand Challenge for the Analytical Community by Paul K. Davis, written by, for the RAND Corporation. All right, RAND, you know, the small time corporation. You probably haven't heard of them. Shout out to Carl, uh, the RAND rep in Australia, lives in Canberra, caught up with him on Monday night. Awesome dude. They, um, they define, and just again, we're looking at the definitions of what uh, EBO is. So they say effects-based operations are defined here as operations conceived and planned in a systems framework that considers the full range of direct, indirect, and cascading effects, effects that may, with different degrees of probability, be achieved by the application of military, diplomatic, psychological, and economic instruments. So this, this definition that is provided in this RAND document, it provides a bit more clarity in my opinion. So I like how they break it down a bit. Okay, it's about applying a systems framework. So it's, it's, you know, it's not just what's in front of you, it's also what is behind that thing and what is it connected to. So this whole network of networks, um, and then it's not just military, non-military. It's sort of saying out here, well, you know, let's talk about some specifics. It's military, it's diplomatic, it's psychological. How do you apply all of these to defeat, not that one thing, but to defeat that system? So, okay, it's yep. and, adding and, a bit and more also, complexity. And also, um, so Paul K. Davis, uh, academic at RAND, spent some time in national security roles, focuses on decision-making, um, you know, policy analysis, modelling of complex problems. His academic background is chemistry. Whoa, that's interesting, isn't it? Which, when you think about it, I think when you go through and read a, a bit more about EBO, you can pro you might find an understanding as to why people who have backgrounds in physical sciences Big time. and and engineering Big are time. attracted. Big time to EBO, and, and particularly complex systems because complex systems came out of a bio theory of biology. So yeah, it's just something um just found out then. I didn't know that before because I don't read the show notes, so I just looked yeah. it up. Yeah, no, 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 fair, fair point, and nor should you. And look, the, the reason why... I'm sorry, EBO, I'm, saying, I'm sorry a lot. <laughs> the reason why EBO is interesting is because it's a relatively relatively contemporary theory or, or you know, uh, application of warfare coming out of the Gulf War 1991, right? Sure. So relatively, relatively um, contemporary. But my question to you is, if EBO started in 91, what did we do before that, right? How did we defeat the enemy before EBO, because it seems that some of the stuff that EBO is suggesting is pretty straightforward, is pretty stock standard. Like 
the enemy is complex. You need to defeat it by combining a whole bunch of things at once, uh, not just by trying to defeat them. So uh, an answer to that question uh, that I stumbled across is a very good paper I found called Effects-Based Operations. Are you still there, Mick? Are you, you just look like you're frozen. You're, okay. I thought you were frozen. I'm like, oh my God, he's dropped out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you do that on purpose? You're just reading uh, a little bit. A little bit. Like I was reading, reading it, then I was like, "Wait a minute, I'm just gonna <laughs> see what's Such happening." Such an idiot. Such an idiot. <laughs> wait, what's the name of the show? Uh, oh wait, that's the wrong side. Yeah. Okay, so effects-based operations: a guide for practitioners. Are we gonna? Oh. Um. Now that's by Doctor Guy uh, Dugzinski. Yeah, he's um, out at Edith Cowan University in Australia, um, so West Australia, and he is a former SAS. Right. Uh, Okay. SAS uh, operator. So he did two tours, uh, two operator tours. How's this for an introduction, right? Current approaches to operations planning focus on defeating the enemy plan. Strategic objectives are declared. Planning staffs build a picture of adversary strengths, weaknesses, dispositions, and intentions. Commanders with their assigned forces own strengths, weaknesses, and dispositions, craft their carefully sequenced response, their counter intentions and an attrition contest commences. So this is what happens before, right? The commander who employs forces efficiently using neither too much nor too little will usually succeed. Wherein lies the true origin of every RMA, the search for a symmetry in a clash of wheels. The effects beyond the immediate adversary that these actions are in pursuit of are rarely considered. Indeed, planning processes do not demand these be explicitly stated before means are formulated and sequenced. So this, this was a really great paper to assist me in, in trying to piece together what is so different about EBO and what was EBO before that and what this guy here, I want to say guy, oh, no, his name's Guy, oh my God. Okay. He did, um, but like his background is, you know, the backgrounds are important, right? When you, when you read these it's series. So that was a relatively better and easier explanation, right? This guy has a, um, has postgraduate degrees in business administration and education. Yeah, right. And has, uh, he holds a doctorate as well. Doesn't quite say what it is, but he, Talks about, you know, he works in influence activities, operational design, campaign planning, faction liaison, uh, and capability development, special operations. So very different sort of background. Yeah. But still so focusing and, on the same sort of concepts. And, and I like how he's done this here because he's helped explain what, where we came from. Okay. So before EBO was applied, what he's saying is that we tried to defeat the enemy plan, which now every military person out there have a think of what is one of the first things that you derive when you start your planning process. The first thing you derive is... I, I still don't buy it, but yeah. What is the enemy plan? Yeah, whether I buy it or not, we'll get into that. But he's saying that's what happened first. And then you develop all this, you identify your strengths, you identify his or her weaknesses, and then you try to defeat that. And then you're trying to find this asymmetry. This is what he is saying was an attritional contest, uh, which was warfare. Okay, let's accept that. What he's saying is different here with EBO is that before you do it, you are defining the effects that you want. Yeah. So in, in, you know, if we think about strategy, we talked about it as ways, means, and ends. He's saying that here, uh, you know, let's say at the operational level, you're trying to define the ends first and then work out a way to get there through the systems that are now between where you are and where you want to be, which I think is a very uh, interesting way to put it and has really helped clarify in my head what was EBO versus what was before EBO and what he is saying here, it's a thing called attrition. Um, so interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah. But um, as we will get to uh, a little later on, uh, many people have found it interesting and not everyone has agreed with it. Many people are saying, hey, guess what? It's just another buzzword. It's just another airland battle. It's just another multi-domain battle. It's just another uh, catchword that is saying things slightly differently. Um, but, you know, there's no new things under the sun. Uh, these things have been said and done for a millennia. Let's stop, let's stop coming up with new definitions. And let's just, let's just keep doing what we're doing. Mick, how say you? Well, like I think EBOs. Fascinating because, you know, I spent a lot of my career in the military doing effects-based targeting. Um, being a targeting guy on the, uh, what people used to call the kinetic and non-kinetic, or I like to say the lethal and destructive versus non-lethal and non-destructive. So, um, 
I find this topic fascinating because I think what we had was a lot of people aiming to do the same thing, but expressing it differently, differently. And therefore there became a clash of a clash of expression. Ultimately what I think, even when you are trying to defeat the enemy's plan, quite often you are starting with the end in mind. If you are starting with the end in mind, you're thinking about the effects. Yep. It's, 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 it's strategy. Yeah. 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 This is a framework for the application of a strategy. You can have many different frameworks and I think we'll get to it. Um, There were a couple of things in the way this framework was applied that meant that some people saw it as some sort of fallacy. Um, I do think that EBO um, was driven by some of the uh, hype around the RMA uh, that, you know, and that that's where I think we start to see a bit of an issue. I do think, um, look, I would read Guy's paper uh, as a um, as a good intro because it's it's grounded not that there's anything wrong with Paul K. Davis's one, but um, you know, it's you just got to balance it right. And big time, I like the big Guy time. one. I like the Australian one. And I think, and I, I think what we're going what, what to get into is that um, as objective as these conversations sometimes or debates sometimes seem there is always a lot of subjectivity and what we're going to discover is that subjectivity that comes with territory as in service territory, uh, where we see EBO is born out of even battlefield the, role territory, man. The, what the, the debate between air versus land power, I think is yeah. going to play a very big role in the, the utility and the, you know, the popularity of EBO, uh, as we go through the ages. So let's, and let's, I remember as a targeting guy talking effects inside the army to like a maneuver commander and they're like, we don't do a based, uh, effects based operations. Anyway, what I want to do is I want to dislocate the air. I'm like, yeah, got it. That, cool. that's um, I can do that, dude. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I agree with you. No, whatever you say, because you know yeah, me, I was yeah. always easy to get along with when I was in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very easy. Um, there's a reason why you're not wearing this hat. <laughs> okay, it's my kids voted for you. <laughs> so let's look into the background of EBO and where it came from. So as we discussed, it came from the first Gulf War of 1991, and specifically, it came from the absolutely devastating air campaigns of Operation. Desert Storm. Now it comes from what is been known as the mastermind behind the concept, and that is one David A. Deptula. Now Deptula was a lieutenant colonel at the time of Desert Storm, and he was actually responsible for the planning of the daily air attack plans in Operation Desert Storm, the first Gulf War. Means he woke up and went, "Go blotion up," and then went back to bed. That's right. And later on, he would become a lieutenant general in the Air Force. Now, in 2001, um, the Aerospace Education Foundation published an essay that uh, Deputula, now a brigadier, wrote, in which he described how EBO has fundamentally changed the very nature of warfare. You can find this readily on... uh, Sorry, I thought you said change the nature of warfare, so I had to censor it. Oh, no, no. So, fundamentally change the nature of warfare. I'm sorry, you swore again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's called effects-based operations. Now, just to confirm, Mick, it is called effects-based operations change in the nature of warfare. <laughs> this is a family show. <laughs> you got to stop doing that. <laughs> it's by Brigadier General uh, David A. Deptula. Now, in this, it's it's a pretty short read. Um, so I, I highly recommend read. And I just want to smash a fallacy as well. Yeah. Klaus had said the nature of war changes. Like everyone thinks he said the opposite. Mm. I just want to, I just want to throw that out there. So Deptula was on board with Big Carl. I know, man. I wasn't there. Um, so he begins with the concept uh, within the Gulf War that he describes as parallel warfare. And what you'll find if, if you look at the history of Deptula and the articles and essays that he would write after Desert Storm, he was actually, it seems he was pushing this concept of parallel warfare more. Um, but I think that, uh, parallel war, war was something that happened uh, against Mussolini uh, and Greece in World War II. So parallel war as a concept, would, the, the name had already taken. And it seems like effects-based operations actually stuck more than parallel warfare. But regardless, he talks about this concept of parallel war. Regardless. Now, what Deptula is highlighting here is a different 
paradigm for how the Air Force was utilized during the Gulf War. And in this way, he's saying what they did was apply parallel war. And what this led to was an effects-based operation for how they won the Gulf War. Now, very simply, okay, I'll explain his concept. Instead of focusing on sequential target lists, where the damage and the effects of the first target lead to the weakening of the next, and then you target the next one, leads to the weakening of the next, and then eventually you get to where you want to get to. He said that they did something entirely different. And the example he gave for a sequential attack, uh, you can see there on the picture, Mick, that I, that I provided you. He, yeah. uses, he uses electronic, and here we go. Here we go, right? This is back we would show you, but we get stung for copyright all the time because back. I'm not very good. Back to your point about this is a scientific way of approaching it. He uses electricity circuits to explain it. So you can see the first. <laughs> can you see it now? Can you see how they're circuits? Yeah, man. Yeah, I can see. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so you can I'm, see. So, so yeah. this is his first circuit. He's saying you attack the early warning radars. This leads to attacking sector and interceptor op centers. This leads to attacking airfields, leads to attacking SAM sites. And then eventually that leads to a sequential attack that leads to Iraqi leadership. He says that's an old paradigm of how they could have approached the Gulf War. Instead, using parallel warfare, what they did was a simultaneous attack that undermines the entire system in a rapid and decisive manner. So what he provides us is two manners. So there's one that's weighted against air defense. Terrible analogy. Like if you, in his first one, if you take out just one of those things, it breaks the circuit. It's a circuit. No, so but he's saying simultaneous, simultaneous. You, 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 no, no, it's a circuit that, no, no, what he's saying, it's a circuit that if you take out one of the middles, um, then the other ones, are, you know, could still function. Yeah, but then it's not have, a circuit. <laughs> I don't, I don't, look, I'm not sorry, man. I'm just, I'm just telling you, know, you what he wrote. One thing that pains me is bad metaphors, man. But anyway, let's keep going. I mean, he got to lieutenant general. I didn't. So no, he got to lieutenant general. Um, so, <laughs> so it's a circuit approach to it, right? And then not only so he uses the same ones here. It's just saying, look, it's early warning. It's the ops centers. It's the airfields. It's the SAM sites. It's the leadership. But it's about doing it simultaneously. That's the difference here about parallel warfare. But then he says that parallel warfare can be used against not just military targets, radio, but simultaneous attacks against all vital enemy systems. And then for here, he's using an example where it doesn't start with the hardware. It starts at leadership. And then simultaneously, you're attacking industry, transport, connectivity to a population, as well as military forces. So the military forces become one of many things that are targeted. Let me just read what he's talking about here. Because it's not as simple as, hey, we're just shooting more things at once, as opposed to doing it in order. And he, and he highlights here, the capacity for a simultaneous attack on the entire array of high value objectives with little or no need to suppress enemy air defenses opens the door, here we go, to monumental changes in the conduct of war. Enable surprise at the tactical level, a larger span of influences, sorry, influence, fewer casualties, paralyzing effects, and shorter time to impose effective control over the enemy. So this, was the, this is where the concept of EBO was born. Out of the Gulf War, where it's famously, he says it, in the first two days, they dropped more air missions than the Air Force dropped in the entire World War II. Um, this is how they were able to effectively defeat Iraq in the Gulf War so, so quickly. Win. The second part, and then let's do some discussion. So the successful... The successful prosecution of parallel war requires more than compressing sequential attacks in one simultaneous attack, right? This is, this, and this is the interesting part. Parallel war exploits three dimensions, time, space, and levels of war to achieve rapid dominance. And in the opening hours of Gulf War, all three dimensions were exploited. Time. Within the first 90 minutes, over 50 separate targets were on the master attack plan. Within the first 24 hours, over 150 separate targets were designated for attack. Space, the entire breadth and depth of Iraq was subjected to attack. No system critical to the enemy escaped targeting because of distance. Levels of war. National leadership facilities, the strategic level. Iraqi air defense and army operation centers, operational level, and Iraqi deployed fighter units, air, land, and sea, tactical level, came under attack simultaneously. And this is what he is saying is this new nature of warfare called effects-based operations. Uh, I, I, no doubt you are convinced that's, that's, that's how we fight now. Questions? <laughs> Look, I'm not going to say his name's Deptula. But um, <laughs> no, but this is one of the problems I have. And this is this is 
pieces like this are what gave targeting guys like me who came along like during this and then after this sort of died off. Spoiler alert, ladies and gents, EBO didn't last. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Make them listen to the end. Make them listen to the end. And, uh, well, that, well, they'll be very interested to find out why. I'm not going to say who. Chaos. Um, <laughs> but um, like one of the things that, you know, what he's talking about isn't new in warfare. Yep. Um, it may have been a change from what America was really, really shit scared of at the time, which was getting into another Vietnam. Yep. And then having to fight a series of sequential coin operations um, or, you know, a series of conventional and coin operations at the same time, which was really what the tricky part about Vietnam was. There's was, there was some other things, there's some politics or something involved as well. Um, but, you know, when you, when, you, when you use the Gulf War of 1991 as an example for this, this is really, really tricky, man, because they had air superiority. Uh, they used a massive maneuver deception plan. Um, which was land-based um, to take out, which, which was very much a hallmark of manoeuvre warfare throughout the ages, right? Like Hannibal used some of the same moves that Schwarzkopf used, just different technology to do it um, when fighting the Romans. That's Hannibal, yeah. not, not Schwarzkopf. Um, I don't yeah. think Schwarzkopf fought in Rome. But you know what I mean? Like, um, so some of the stuff they're using, like we're using time, space and levels of war, well, he said that, but yeah, he's just, sure. he's a, he discovered time. That's what I mean. Like, you know, so for me, it's just like, like he's just like, wow. Well, and, you know, um, this sort of comes out of the dark days of the US military where they didn't think their leaders were educated enough. Now, I'm not going to criticize one way or the other, but if the, you know, if the mid grade officers, the field grade officers who fought this, which is what Deptula was at the time. Um, were like, wow, this is a new way of fighting war. Chances are they never cracked a history book, man. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. air power part is very, very interesting because what it leads to and people's assumptions about what air power can do were kind of made in a, in a, in a yes, a very successfully prosecuted war that was ended based on US domestic political considerations, the, the highway um, of death. Uh, and if you want re-election, you, know, you don't want to get in the way of it, but um, you don't want bodies of Iraqis burning on your TVs. But it, it, it provided a heap of false data because yeah, yeah. it wasn't every war. It wasn't even a standard war. It was a very dominant strike into the heart of an enemy territory. All right. Now, before we crack on, we just got to show and throw some love to our great sponsors. I haven't put me in a movie yet. Extra Specialist Group. Because it's, it's, you haven't tried. Extra Specialist Group. Now, since 2017, the Extra Specialists have been connecting Australian veterans to the entertainment industry. Through consultancy, agency, productions, and training, Extra Specialists have been changing the face of television and movies, putting those who have served onto the big screen and into your homes. Now, they've worked with the big ones, Marvel, Touchstone, Netflix, Stan, and much more. Extra Specialists is the place to go if you want to get into the industry. So if you have, if you have Extra Specialist skills or you want to learn some, then reach out to Extra Specialist Group and get started now. Check out their website at www.extraspecialist.com. That's the Extra Specialists Group. Um, check out our Facebook. I'm always uh, fascinated by Extra Specialists and the training that they're running. The training yeah, the just looks training. Check out the combat training. Um, wait, it just this looks is, awesome. It just this, looks I don't really have a, I don't have a I don't have a book of profile shots or character shots. So I've yeah. done up some foam characters of myself. Of course, so, of the guys, so the guys at Extra Specialists know that they can That's use me. Look, look like. This is what I would look like playing a doctor. So it's um, it's I love the videos. I love hey, the videos of the combat doing. training and the um, it looks what is super it? cool. It looks super yeah. cool. Um, um, by the way, can we take they've worked with the big ones out of the copy because that is that's just not cool. <laughs> um, and I I'm 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 signed up, man. I'm going to be I, in the movie. I, I ever live in because they're Queensland based at the they moment. Are. Right? Uh, I mean, if they come down south or if I move up there, I'm signing up. Just like, even if they don't stick me in a movie, some of the stuff they do is so cool. All right. So let's get back to EBO. And the point, the point that Mick says, I think is a relatively good one. Yes, I should be. You know what? You know what? They said they, what he said worked, worked. It absolutely worked. But I think we need to understand the context of which it worked in. It worked in a completely dominant military situation. It worked in this 
particular sandbox that was the Gulf War in this time of the world. Would it, if they applied EBO in Vietnam, would have Vietnam turned out differently? Because if we're talking about a revolution, we're talking about a different way of warfare. If they applied, they had superior air power and dictated the. If it, they if they applied it, if they applied it in Korea, would Korea have turned out differently? So it's, I think that what we're seeing here is, you know, I, I love when things become go to the extremes. And to me, what we're talking here is that the application of warfare, fighting, the operational art, um, is, is taking a full swing to the right here into the science realm, right? And we and you spoke yeah. about this before. Yeah. And right? Andrew made a really point about this as well. Yeah, it's science. It's maths, it's numbers, it's predictable, and we and we saw this in Vietnam with McNamara. We saw it in the Hamlet. Uh, what was it called? The Hamlet something. Something. Um, you know, putting it into computers, computers telling you exactly where you need to go. Now, yeah. in war, science has an absolute role, but yeah. there needs to be a balance there with the art side of the house yeah, and the right. human face of it as well. Now, if you go to the other extreme and ignore the science completely, th then that is also well, wrong. Yeah, you're probably going to be throwing stones at someone who's shooting you, right? Like, yeah. you're going to miss out on a lot of key capability decisions. So I, and, you know, and, and here's, the, here's my point. In the Gulf War, you needed more science than art to, to win the way they did. Fair, yeah. right? But does that necessarily mean everything changes? Is it necessarily a revolution in military affairs? Well, I can tell you right now, Mick Cook of The Dead Prussian and this better podcast, um, according oh. to the Americans, oh. the answer is the answer is yes. Okay, and I found in an Air Force magazine uh, highlighted as evidence from regional conflicts of the 1990s mounted uh, the basic ideas of EBO gained acceptance. A joint vision statement by the Joint Chiefs of Staff in 1996 and the Quadrennial Defense Review in 1997 said that a revolution in military affairs had taken place the joint chiefs acknowledged the capability to achieve the effects of mass without the actual massing of forces now look even that's a terrible way of explaining it right? what i don't want to do is sit here and just go oh i can't believe they said that what it is because it would have just seemed I mean, season whole ground it would have just it would have just seemed that that's right it's like hey we don't need to do all the stuff that we we have said we had to do before we have the technology which is what they said we have the reach we have the firepower that potentially there's no need for ground forces we, I mean, we can just, just kind of heard it before right no what, yeah. when 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 have airplanes ever been used before golf four <laughs> such <laughs> idiot or oh, such types of firepower where you're like well we don't need to we're gonna win now because we have an extreme amount of reach right right so um, needless to say, EBO uh, wasn't popular by everyone. And surprise, surprise, it was those dirty dog Marines, the ground dwellers that didn't particularly like uh, devil dogs. I say dirty dogs, devil dogs. That's what they call them. That didn't <laughs> do dogs. I've met plenty of Marines. They are dirty dogs dirty as dogs. well. <laughs> devil dogs who didn't like them. Uh, I stumbled across uh, this particular piece and here we go. Defenders of the traditional approach were quick to strike back. Okay, see the irony there. In 1998, Van Ripper, who's one of the most famous uh, Marines, former commanding general of the Marine Corps Combat Development Command, ridiculed the revolution in military affairs as, I quote, lacking meaningful substance, end quote, and condemned the, quote, unfulfilled promises, end quote, of air power, quote, from Douay to Deptula. Oh, that is brilliant, man. I like, love it. I love like, it. That's just, do you think everyone in the room went, Ooh, oh. <laughs> Von Ripper said that the most, that most of those, sorry, Von Ripper oh, said most of those Ripper, espousing, espousing the, quote, current nonsense, did not understand <laughs> the confusion and horror of the close-in fighting that occurs in real war and had gotten their field experience, here we go, in vessels sailing hundreds of feet below the surface of the ocean, in aircraft flying miles above the battlefield, or in the command facilities of major headquarters, end quote. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> what, shots I think what fired. he's saying is, I think what he's saying is they've never experienced shots fired. <laughs> So it is a, it is, you know, it, it was a hard pushback um, from Von Ripper, Van Ripper, excuse me. And there wouldn't be, there would be many, many more that pushed back against it. And yeah. what I, what I think was really uh, powerful there and really speaks out to me is the human 
dimension of yeah, that's right of like ebo works if you're not fighting people that's right that's right so when we go to, to robot wars it's going robot to work wars. and and what we kind of see now from this is in my opinion and we talked about it before is that we now have differing opinions from different domains the air is saying hey air we're good. We got this. And we just proved that in the Gulf War. And Von Rupert, you know, littoral land, sea, saying, no, 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 no. You're ignoring your history. You, 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 you are saying what do I used to say? Um, that's not true. Because I think what people don't realize is the reason why there's such differing opinions is not just because they personally disagree, but there's a lot of money tied to this. There's a lot of resources tied to this. Money, experience, uh, prestige. Exactly. Careers. I mean, you know what? I heard a rumor that Deb Chula didn't even believe in EBO, but he knew if he published something like this, he would make Lieutenant General. Just so. You didn't hear, you didn't hear that. You didn't hear did. that anywhere. Yeah. So, so, so the debate begins. Okay. So we have Colonel uh, Gary H. Cheek, later, <laughs> later a Major General and Deputy Commander of Third Army, asked whether EBO meant the end of dominant maneuver and said, to many senior leaders in the U.S. Army, the concept of effects-based operations is another attempt by strategic bombing advocates in line Air Force coffers at the expense coffers, yeah. at the expense of land forces. And here we have it. Here we have it. How no. many years later? We, we're back. We're back Look to Billy. F-35 or two, man. Like. We're back to Billy Mitchell. We're back to LeMay. We're back to Douay. You know, we're back to, is air power that important versus land power? How do our early episodes... Um and you'll see what we're talking about here it's a debate it's a debate with absolute passion with 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 territory um and sometimes you know you think that they're saying things with pragmatism and reality but they're so subjective that those two concepts go out the window they just feel so passionate about it i stumbled across uh this uh field a lot of stumbling man i did a lot of stumbling so this is by uh, colonel philip mellinger of the u.s air force uh, I don't want to surprise you whose side he's on. Now, he produced uh, from the Chief of Staff of the United States Air Forces this booklet called The Ten Propositions Regarding Air Power. The first page, okay, this is what I love about this book. The first page says, this has been printed at such a size that you can put it in your flight suit, all right? <laughs> Just in case you want to pull it out at any moment, all right? And these are the 10 propositions regarding air power. Look, that is amazing because... Yeah. Anyone who you need to get to read this to get onto your side, like arguably people who are wearing... They're not in flight suits. suits. They're not in flight suits. You're right. They're they're already on board. They're They're already on board, board, man. They're literally on board the plane. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So we'll go through this quickly. One, whoever controls the air generally controls the surface. Two, air power is an inherently strategic force. Three, air power is primarily an offensive weapon. Four, in essence, air power is targeting. Targeting is intelligence. And intelligence is analyzing the effects of air operations. That is insane. (laughs) Five, air power produces physical and psychological shock by dominating the fourth dimension. Time. I just want to to say like that. There is so much bull in this, hey? Six, air power can conduct parallel operations at all levels of war simultaneously. Where does that come from, I wonder? Seven, precision air weapons have redefined the meaning of mass eight air power's unique characteristics uh, necessitate that it be centrally controlled by airmen nine <laughs> technology and air power are integrally and synergistically related Ten, students air power, this week and i was air like power, air power includes not only military assets but an aerospace industry and commercial aviation we're anything that is we're anything that's a foot off the ground. That's fascinating. On the other side, back to uh, some of the pushback against EBO. I love this. Army Field Manual 3-0-2001 stated, ultimately, the outcome of battles, major operations, and campaigns depend on the ability of Army forces to close with and destroy the enemy. Army Training and Doctrine Command said that EBO had no place in Army Doctrine. So this is like just... 
complete opposite ends of the of the scale and then finally ebo this is from ralph peters ebo isn't a strategy it's a sales pitch said ralph peters a retired army intelligence officer turned opinion columnist but what only- you know, mate, because i think we learned before that intelligence is analyzing the effects of air operations <laughs> so why right. would an army officer be an intelligence officer because it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense agree with the 10 propositions regarding air power in your flight suit he says the only effects-based operations that mean anything are those that destroy the enemy's military, the opposing leadership, the population's collective will. Bombing well-selected targets helps, but only killing wins wars. <laughs> oh, man. And so, I mean, how can you read any of those? Like, literally, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to say that the air power is right. I'm here to say the army is right. I'm here to say, how can you read any of those with no bias whatsoever? You know what I mean? I, I can't read those without being like, this. both of this is propaganda. Both of this yeah, is... It's, it's, have we done an episode on fake news? Because we can probably do one right now. <laughs> yes. It's crazy um, how we've gone to, is it effective to, is it just utter bullshit? You know what I mean? And I'm going to tell you why, why it is and why it isn't. I just, I just love going through that because it's, it's so much fun. Um, but look, there, there is a, a great paper that I would highly recommend to people. Um, it is called Kosovo and the Great Air Power Debate by Daniel Byman and Matthew Waxman. Um, and they, they really get at EBO. They really get at air power. Um, and they use Kosovo as the, uh, as the catalyst for that conversation. Because um, in Kosovo, a lot of the success was, was, was given to just the dominance of air power that NATO were able to generate. But in this yeah. article, they say that, look, really important. But um, it wasn't the only thing that led to it. Um, so, uh, Lieutenant- any bombs landing on target? Arguably, air power's not that great. So, um, so here we go. So, Lieutenant General Michael Short, who ran the bombing campaign uh, in Kosovo, has argued that NATO got every one of the terms it had stipulated in Rambolit and beyond Rambolit. I said that wrong. Rambolit. And I credit this as a victory for air power. Right. And then, and then it goes on. This view is not confined to the Air Force. Historian John Keegan conceded, I didn't want to change my beliefs, but there was so much evidence accumulating to stick to the article of faith. It now does look as if air power has prevailed in the Balkans and that the time has come to redefine how victory in war may be won. Fascinating. Yeah, fascinating, I mean, fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. because John Keegan failed to um, link culture and politics together. So... You know, thanks, John, but... Uh, that never happened. That never happened. It's um, uh, in the first page of the first chapter of his book, The History of Warfare. So, so what <laughs> you, totally so, so how, Where do you lie in this, Mick? Because you are a base effect guy. Bullshit, but I don't when, lie. When you, see, when you see these two debates of air and land going at each other, where, where does it hit you? Uh, mate, in just like the... just So... EBO, and, and I've got Australian Doctrine up on my screen because Australian Doctrine, and I think it actually um, US Doctrine is probably in the show notes, uh, a, a transition to a thing called effects-based approach came. And that's where I sort of um, was really, um, what, I, what I might say is uh, hitting my stride in the targeting world. It wasn't because I was any good. It was just because I was in the right postings at the right time. And I had to deal with people who were jaded from EBO being yeah. told we're still going to use things like effects verbs and effects objectives them saying, oh, no, but EBO's dead. And so, well, actually, it was never, like, the, the, the propaganda of EBO was ridiculous. But the concept yep. of using, of, of understanding the effects you want to achieve and then proportioning your assets to achieve that is actually not new. It's called strategy. It's called campaigning. And for a lot of it, when I read about EBO, I think, you know, it's a great way, thinking about EBO is a great way to, start to develop your campaign if you account for the other aspects of EBO, uh, that EBO doesn't account for, which is war is human. So you need, to, you need to put people on the ground to kill, capture, or communicate with other humans, right? So for me, Matt, I'm a little bit torn. Do I think EBO is you know, crap in the way it was sold? Yes. Do I think EBO reminded people that uh, war is not just about manoeuvring around the battlefield for fun, it's about trying to maneuver as little as possible to achieve as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and I actually think that EBO supports parts of EBO can support the maneuverist approach to warfare 
but a lot of what you actually see is an argument that starts becoming two attritionists arguing against each other that neither of them are strategic because they can both kill more shit. And you're like, well, actually, if you guys just stop arguing with each other, you'll see that both of you have the desire to do less killing to achieve more. So, so just talk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And also it was based on a, on a wall that, you know, overwhelming superiority from the U S so yeah. Yeah. Mate, what about you? Where do you sit? Uh, well, well, look. But, but before we get to my opinion, um, let's let's just let's put a pin in EBO. Um, Good. And I love I love the, the title of what we're about to read is called Mattis <laughs> drops his bomb. Yeah. I love it. I hey, love it. You have lunch with Mattis. I had lunch with Mattis. Did you have lunch no, with Mattis? No, I didn't have it. I didn't have lunch. Oh, with Mattis. that must have sucked. I no, said but I've read his book. Have you read his book? No, man. I, there you go. There you go. No one writes truth in their book. <laughs> So I was Mattis, told specifically not to sit next to Mattis and no yeah. one sat next to him. So I sat next to him and then uh, our boss, uh, the brigade commander sat next to me and uh, would punch me if I said anything too cheeky. He punched me once. So Mattis took command of JF Com in November, 2007. His purge of EBO came the following August in a two page memorandum with five pages of commander's guidance attached. Uh, okay. Here's him. We must return to time-honored principles and terminology that our forces have tested in the crucible, crucible of battle and are well-grounded in the theory and nature of war, Mattis said. He ticked off lists of the failures of EBO. As seen by the Army, the Marine Corps, and other observers, EBO, he said, among other faults, here we go, his words, assumes a level of unachievable predictability calls for an unattainable level of knowledge of the enemy is too prescriptive and over-engineered discounts the human dimension of war promotes centralization and leads to micromanagement from headquarters is staff not command led i read this paragraph i've got i've got something please that has said war is not composed of the tactical time <laughs> This is why he's, this is why Mick's not allowed to read anything. He got to the sixth word. He got to the sixth word and then yeah. couldn't read it. Only someone like Mattis can pull off words like tactics of targetry or algebraic approach. Like, man, I was never going to be able to do that in a Batman. You go. War is not, this is what Mattis says. War is not composed of the tactics of targetry or an algebraic approach to measuring effects resulting from our actions, but rather operations guided by commander's intent and constant feedback loops. Belief that the enemy could be immobilized by precision air attacks against critical military systems with little or no use of land forces runs contrary to historical lessons and the fundamental nature of war, says Mattis. And in a sweeping declaration in 2008, he said that Jeff, Jeffcom, what do they call it? Jeffcom? Jeffcom? I'm not sure. But he said those people would no longer use, sponsor, or export EBO or related concepts and terms, the underlying principles of which he deemed to be fundamentally flawed. And that... Fundamentally the- flawed. There you go. I don't and even that- think that's Mattis's voice. I think that's the guy from... Um, yeah, Mattis is Batman. Kill. Mattis is in Batman, man. Mattis He's got- <laughs> Mate, I'm pretty sure you're wrong. I think, think of everyone in the world who is likely a candidate to be Batman. He's yeah. pretty high. Elon Musk and, was the other one. And so, look, uh, the, 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 there's, there's not many people that I am aware of that can put together words as eloquently as Mattis. So it's pretty hard to read that and not, you know, fully agree with a lot of the things that he's saying and a lot of things he said that we, we sort of said tonight. Um, that, look, it, it is it is an interesting concept, but it's a, it's got many flaws. And he's saying, hey, this headquarters that I am now the commander of, we're not going to apply it anymore because we're missing a whole bunch of stuff as a result. And by the way, I need all the money for the Marines. So. <laughs> not true. Now, if they were going to go to another Gulf War, which you know was was on the cards, then potentially <laughs> it potentially um, could have been. But I, I think it's smart. And what we saw they was did actually, another Gulf War, dude. Two thousand three. Say again. They did do another Gulf War. It was 2003. No, no, never, never happened. And so what we see... You were there not long after. <laughs> what we see is, as Mick said, the death of EBO, but, but not the death of 
an effects-based approach to operations, which is some of the theory that came out afterwards, which I think now is a healthy balance of the true way that we should be looking at effects. And I don't give my opinion often, but I truly feel passionate that- Oh, he's come off the fence, ladies and gentlemen. I know, I know. Before we started- Before we started- Before we started looking at at effects- Sorry, that was the wrong button. (laughs) Before we started looking at effects, um, to not sort of define the end state that you want to get to at any level is a bit of a mistake. And so from the Curtis E. LeMay Center for Doctrine Development and Education- LeMay. We Mate, find this particular phrase is amazing. Oh, that's that's really good. We find the effects-based approach to operations ebao. Um, ebao, ebao. That is, that is defined. And we want to blow up. That is defined. That's really clever. That was. Def- it's defined as an approach in which operations are designed, planned, executed, and assessed in order to influence or change systems behavior to achieve desired outcomes you apply that to any planning process yeah that's right then i think you're on the money so i look i so i think it's important that we did this episode i, I really enjoyed deep diving ebo i've heard about ebo i've seen ebo applied uh, i've seen people that are that are zealots about effects you know effects yep. effects 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 and then they, 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 they still exist but yep. i think you need to if you're really good at effects that's great but if you only know effects i don't think that's great at all i think you need to know about an attritional way of warfare. You need to know about maneuver. You need to know about history. You need to know about effects. I mean, and what? Yeah, yeah, it is like influence operations, right? Yeah, you shoot the guy exactly. standing next to the guy you want to deal with. That's an influence operation using an attritional effect. No, exactly. And someone, someone said it to me so simply, you know, because it's very easy. And I think we spoke about this before. You're like, oh, I can't believe people used to be attritional. Like, why don't you just maneuver? You know what I mean? It's just like, uh, is there no attrition? In maneuver warfare, oh yeah, there's attrition. Well, then what what are you talking about? You know it's what I mean? It's, it's, like it's, a lot of the time, you maneuver to then bring an overwhelming uh, uh, amount of force exactly, upon a target. Exactly. So it's it's having you know being aware of everything, but the most important part is knowing that it's based on the problem at hand, the context that you're about to face. That is what defines your approach to it, not predefined before you get to the problem that you need to solve. I think that how you how you approach your plan to achieve the end state. Yeah. So, like everything, mate, um, there is no singular reason for anything. I truly, I truly believe there's no singular camp that you can say everything I in think history. A reason for this, a heap of cocks got together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Roosters, 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 um, roosters. A bunch no, of roosters. And there's no singular solution for everything, right? And and this polarized way of thinking, no dominance is from the air no dominance from from the land well guess what you, you're both wrong in in, in, yeah. in a circumstance you know what i mean there'll be circumstances where you're both right but there'll be many that you're both wrong as well so it's it's somewhere in the middle um and i think ebo was incredibly relevant to operation desert storm but he, he as as you've been hinting so what 1991 end of operation desert storm and that was it iraq we're good we never have to yeah. do anything there again the that, war, was, war was done never you know there's no war ever and then <laughs> yeah, and they proved it and they proved it in Kosovo not long after exactly exactly <laughs> so just to say that it was a success okay what for the year for two yeah. years you know if the aim of war is an extended peace then no no it was not a success at all not long after the Gulf War agents for Saddam Hussein blew up George Bush senior the president's car yeah nearly killed it exactly um, where the hell were you there, air power? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, look, great to understand where it came from, and great, and it, great, great that it went this way. And it has some great theory in it. It does. It has no, some absolutely. great theory. And, and that's why, in it. But it's no, claimed that's why this to be the only one. Is its downfall? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's claimed to be the the silver bullet. It's claimed to be the Jesus nut. It's claimed to be the only thing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. it's downfall. And you know, and it, it it reminded me when 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 we were back at uni, and I was always debating with air zealots about strategic bombing in world war two strategic bombing strategic right. bombing strategic bombing was the single most influencing factor to win the war and i would say okay well how, how what, what percentage did strategic bombing win the war what do you mean so how much of the win was it due to strategic bombing oh no one knows that well how do you know it had such a huge influence you know was it not that with everything else <laughs> combined there was a reason for winning the war, you know. Even the nuclear bomb drops, right? Which you exactly. could call probably the most strategic 
yeah. air power demonstration ever. Exactly. The exactly. enemy didn't capitulate. Japan did not exactly. capitulate straight away. It took them a exactly. month. Exactly. Of doing it, sums. It, it, look, it was, it, you know, some will say it was the straw that broke the camel's back, but, you know, yeah. that saying means there's a lot of other shit on that camel's back as well. Yeah. You know what and I mean? It, and, yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and, and you know, and, and, and say, let's flip it. Why did America enter World War II? It wasn't just because of Pearl Harbor. That was indeed the straw that broke the camel's back. They knew they were going to change the world order. They would have to come out of their isolation that they've been in for a long time. Britain was in trouble. Trade was being affected. There's many, 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 many reasons. And if EVO works, Pearl Harbor would have achieved the Japanese goal of keeping America out of the war, right? Because, you know, for those listeners that haven't, I don't know if we've done a Pearl Harbor before. We might have. Um, I think the whole idea... We we must have, the whole idea behind Pearl Harbor was um, Japan knew they couldn't outlast America in an American industrial base to win a war against America. So the easiest way to keep America out of the war was to deliver such a decisive blow against America that would convince them the cost was not worth it. So use a strategic airstrike to destroy a large number of uh, US force projection assets, the, the fleet at Pearl Harbor, uh, and prevent uh, America making a decision to come into war. Now we know that it, it went the other way. So uh, yeah. the intelligence yeah. officer got fired pretty soon after, I think, or maybe yeah. it was the cultural advisor or the political officer. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, that's a good example of people going, you know, strategic air power um, is what won the Second World War. Well, it didn't work for Japan, yeah, and they exactly. had one of the most strategic airstrikes in the entire conflict. Exactly. So I, I'm, I'm, I really enjoyed uh, doing the, the, some of the reading. I won't say research, some of the reading for this episode. I really enjoyed the, the, the debate. Um, but I am I, where I started. Fascinating. I love to explore the extremes of all sides of arguments because it's only when you study the extremes can you find out where a good place somewhere in the middle is. Yeah, but we middle. see this debate happening again with a kill chain and targeting and a targeting approach. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, exactly. the debate comes up again because of the Afghanistan and Iraq wars where people are like, you know, all the targeting work. I mean, we're still there. So it obviously didn't, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And yeah, the idea exactly. that one of these solutions will do it. And how did targeting, as opposed to manoeuvre forces, uh, how did targeting come about? It came about in support of manoeuvre operations. Manoeuvre exactly. operations are also sometimes planned to support a targeting activity. They go hand in hand, in hand, hand in glove. Yeah. Um, there you go. So, you know, it's... It's never good, uh, and I think you've written here, it's never good to remain on an extreme. Oh, I didn't know that you had the atomic bombs in there. Uh, yeah, I thought you were reading that. I was like, oh, my God, yeah. Mick, episode 17, and Mick has read a show note. No. <laughs> that was pure we, just happened, we just happened to be thinking the same thing at the same time. But that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, like you said, mate, uh, I am reading now where you said about, you know, uh, understanding the extremes of the argument is important to try and find a, a center position, which quite often the middle ground is called, you know, we always want to find a common middle balanced, ground for a reason, right? Balanced, it's about balanced balance. approach. Exactly. So there you have it, ladies and gents. Ooh, mate, what a debate. So this was a that is That is our take on effects-based operations. And um, Mick, have you got any final words to say? One thing, I uh, was talking to a retired tree star today uh, and oh. I asked him about EBO. Yep. And uh, he, I said, you know, you would have lived through the, the crux of it. Um, when he was, you know, um, coming up as an officer. And uh, he said, yeah, he said, the problem with EBO was um, it took me so long to understand what they were getting at that it was over. Bef- like the debate was over before everyone understood what EBO were trying to argue. Uh, he said, which is a shame because they could contribute to campaign planning in a very effective manner, um, which is, which, you know, kind of points to the shame, right? Because of the, the zealots on either side, mm. uh, the value of some of these arguments was lost and how they could inform operational and campaign planning. Yeah. So, you know, like we said, find the middle ground and you might actually have some value to add, uh, walk into a room with an extreme view and you might be the only one in the room without that view and you may not get to contribute much more after that. Exactly. Exactly. But, and on the flip side, learn, learn what those extreme views are because you will learn where they're coming from. Now it may not apply, but at least you're going to learn where they're coming from. if you're a leader, because you may need to be able to explain to your subordinates why you are not uh, taking on board the full aspect of their extreme views when they want to do planning. Exactly. Oh, that's been a lot of fun, everyone. So look, 
we hope you enjoyed this episode on our uh, effects-based operations. You know, we aimed uh, the effect we wanted to achieve was to entertain and to educate. I mean, uh, I think we'd spend some night, some time. I think we got there. I think the system that we approached was through verbal means. Yeah, mate. Verbal strikes are the way of the future. Um, verbal strikes are the way of the future. Verbal-based operations. If you liked it, share it with your friends. Have the debate. And, you know, I really want to hear from the Air Force community on this one. I really want to hear. So if you've got some Air Forces uh, that that are friends of yours, um, send it to them. Let them have a listen and and get get online and tell us that we were wrong or tell us that we're right and let us know. Or the information operations community, tell me how messaging is going to win every war. Yeah. All right, Mick, let's talk about some socials. Cool. Um, so I've got a show called the Dead Prussian Podcast. You should follow us on Facebook and uh, Twitter. Um, that's it, Back over to you. <laughs> Kidding. All right. So jump on Facebook, search War for Idiots. You will find our page there. Please give us a like. Um, pass us around to your friends. Uh, pass to the left-hand side and uh, like it because uh, our Facebook page is where we post a lot of our updates and what's coming up. And also it's where we post uh, details to some of those great sponsors we talked about. And it's much easier for you to click a link in our Facebook page than it is to go around Googling. Also, we're on Twitter. Whoop. Whoop. Richie, Richie, did go around Googling, did that upset you? What? No, oh. I'm just typing. <laughs> anyway, uh, jump on Facebook. Uh, no, jump on Twitter and find our individual pages. You'll find Richie uh, at Richie underscore triple T. And you can tell it's him because look at him and then look at the profile pic and that's him. For those listeners, it's it's the really tall guy. Um, and then you can find me at Mick underscore Cook. And uh, you can find me generally because my profile picture is actually a bearded dude. So that, that kind of helps. But also, I'm the one getting into fights with people on Twitter. So you'll find me there. Um, not toxic, but getting there. Um, and also, <laughs> uh, please find uh, our, our Wolf Idiots where you'll find all the details about upcoming episodes, any upcoming activities. We've got a few activities planned uh, after this season, which will be quite fun. Um, so jump on at War Numeral 4 Idiots. And also, if you're listening to this, like us, send us review, put reviews, share us, tell everyone. If you're watching this, Subscribe to us on YouTube. It is great to see that we have uh, upwards of 60 subscribers now, which is, um, yeah, which is impressive. impressive for us because, man, we, we thought those five guys that are talking to us on Twitter, at the mo- oh, sorry, on YouTube at the moment, were going to be it. And it even sees that, you know, one of our old lecturers, well, he's not old, he's younger than us, one of our former lecturers, yeah. um, he watches us on Friday nights, but he always leaves early. And I reckon that's the point where we've disappointed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> His early varies. It varies every night. So yeah. um, it's normally when you start getting shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, actually uh, I'm talking with Andrew for the Dead Prussian podcast next week. Oh, so cool. you'll, um, Andrew and, and I will be talking about the new Australian defence strategy and force structure plan and what that means uh, for the warfare in the region so um yeah give that a listen all right uh that's it for me rich i've probably talked too long but fantastic (laughs) what all right everyone you know Uh, if you're still listening why why you're still listening why i'm fine i'm fine uh if you're still listening thank you for listening thank you for uh being a part of tonight's show um and thank you for those who reach out and let us know what you think uh you people who are listening the ones who reach out positively oh yeah and thanks to who was it that uh hang on i just want to give a shout out to a a new follower a new subscriber um was on twitter yeah it was i'll just use the first name because i don't want to dox anyone while we're on here but um it was fantastic. We get some feedback where someone's actually found us useful. It which was is, Kelly Earl. Kelly yeah, Earl. Don't say the surname. You don't want to dox people. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Kelly, for reaching out. Um, absolutely love that you like the show. I like that you said it's somewhat, somewhat funny. Yeah, you're so, obviously the somewhat. Got you're it. the somewhat. You're the somewhat. Um, but yes. hey, that's the sort of interaction we love, guys. Um, jump on, chat with us, interact with us. We're big fans of you and uh, everyone's big fans of us. And until next time, this is Rich. And this is Mick. And remember that we may be idiots. But so are you. War for Idiots is a TDP production.
All opinions expressed by individuals on the podcast are those of the individual and not necessarily representative of any other organisation. The music used during Wolf Idiots is Fireworks by Jazar and is used under an attribution share alike 3.0 international licence.